Well, we uh, come to um, the Word of God this morning um, with anticipation as we do each week. You know, I I sure hope that that's um, one of the reasons that you're here this morning. You could have come for a variety of reasons, but I sure hope one of them is to hear from the Lord. And the way that we do that is by getting into His Word. Uh, We believe some things about this book. We believe it's not just a book. We believe that it is the very words of God, that it is the Word of God for us, that it has truth, that these truths have life and have instruction for us, and that... um, the passage that we are looking at this morning is no different. And so what a joy it is to, uh, to look at this and to study and learn from it uh, together. Uh, in 2 Timothy, it says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And so I believe that about uh, where we're going this morning. We are uh, turning to uh, the book of James. We are beginning a new series in that. And I believe that all of these things are going to happen in this, that that there is going to be some teaching. There's going to be some reproof in the weeks to come. There might be some correction that we need and certainly some training that's going to happen through and in uh, the word of God uh, together. And so um, we are excited to uh, turn to uh, the letter uh, that James wrote to the church, the book of James, and um, to help us to that end. Um, we, again, have a lot of value. I think there's a lot of value in having the Word of God in your hand. And so to help you with that, as you came in, um, you probably saw one of these on your seat. Um, if you didn't, maybe you're sitting on it. Um, but uh, the, uh, this is uh, just a tool that we like to use as we walk through books together. And so this is um, a gift to you. Uh, please take this and, and, and use it. What you'll find in there is you'll find on one side the, the text um, that we're going to be studying. It's from the English Standard Version. That's the version that we preach out of here at the church. Um, and then on the other side is some blank pages. And so hopefully you have something you can write with. Um, if not, at some point, kind of quietly, if you want to go grab a pen in the back, you can grab that. But um, love for you to take notes as we walk through this book. It's going to take us all the way through uh, the fall, uh, right up to Thanksgiving, um, that we're going to be in the book of James. And so um, as, as we're learning things, as God's showing you things, like underline, circle, write down some notes, capture some of this, so that when we're done, hopefully this is a resource for you and you have captured some of the things that God's taught you um, in this. Uh, With that, I always like to encourage um, a couple things. One, pro tip is to put your name um, uh, in this. Um, There's a lot of other ones that look very similar to the one that you have. And so your name's going to be kind of invaluable if you uh, leave it behind and want to find that uh, later. The other thing I would say is is, uh, still bring your copy of Scripture as well. Um, You know, so kind of supplement, because we'll still go to some other passages. We're looking at a couple others this morning too. So it is helpful to either have, you know, a copy, written copy of God's Word, or at very least your phone that you could kind of pull up and and, and look at some other passages uh, together. Uh, in this way. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into the book of James. One of the things that's helpful as we approach scripture is to know where it is that we're going, right? Like what it is that, um, that we're opening to. So when we just kind of like rip open the, 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 the Bible, this is like a collection of different books from different times and different authors. And so it is helpful to know uh, where it is that we are turning. So the letter of James is uh, written by James. And, and best we can tell, that was the half-brother of Jesus. There's several James that are mentioned. One of them was martyred uh, kind of too early for the dating of this. Um, James of Jerusalem, the, the brother of Jesus, was um, probably the, the one who penned this. He, he was the, kind of the most prominent. All the timing and kind of the writing makes sense. Um, so we're, we're talking, we're looking at the writing of someone who knew the teachings of Jesus well. Um, you know, we know from Scripture that, that um, uh, Jesus had brothers and siblings. Um, he had, other, had brothers and sisters. He had other siblings. And so uh, Mary and Joseph, they wed after he was born. And, and, and so this would have been one of his siblings. Could you imagine growing up 
in the house? You think your brother is a pain in the butt? Like, imagine living with like Jesus, right? Like, you could never get that guy in trouble, right? It's always, always like Jesus, this, Jesus, that. You know, kind of comparing to Jesus, right? And and so James, that that's where he grew up. But but I love it because here at the end of his life, much later, he he says, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he's a servant of his brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing, we get the context here, he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. We studied Acts together as a church, and so um, I don't expect you to maybe immediately know that, but hopefully this should jog your memory. Right after this, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 8, the church of Jerusalem scattered. They went to all these different areas because there was persecution kind of rising up against them. And so the, the 12 tribes, the Jewish people, were dispersed. And so James, the half-brother of Jesus, is writing to followers of Jesus who had been scattered because of persecution, facing difficulties, right? So new land, new customs, new cultures, sometimes even new languages, things that they're enduring. And he's writing kind of generally, not to one specific church in one specific area, but kind of to the church at large, writing to Jewish believers and trying to encourage them. And many of us, many of you, as I've said, we, hey, we're going to get into James. I've heard. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to it. James is one of those books that if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, I'm guessing you've probably studied the book of James. People love the book of James. There's some reasons that I think that is. Um, we would put James in sort of like New Testament wisdom literature. It's kind of like, it's helpful if you think of it more like Proverbs, because James kind of bounces from some different topics, and there's not always this cohesive sort of outline that he's following. Um, but, but, but things that I think make James really, really helpful for us is one is it's highly practical. And that's one of the things that I'm really excited about for us right now. I think we need some highly practical teaching in our life right now. We're trying to answer the question, okay, well, what does life look like now, right? What does life look like in this season? What am I supposed to do currently? And James speaks right into very, very practical situations and, and challenges in some um, really significant things. One of the other reasons that I love James is he's concise. Um, some, some of the other authors tend to sort of, you know, kind of beat around the bush or sort of add some flowery language to it and kind of, you know, you got to kind of, but James is like, no, he gets after it. We're going to see that this morning, right? He says greetings, and then he gives one of the hardest challenges in the entire letter, like immediately after. He, he just gets right after it, and so he's concise. But then, personally, one of the things I love about James is he uses some great metaphors, some great pictures throughout the book that really help us to kind of remember and latch onto and, and hold on to some of these truths. And so, um, overall, this is, this is kind of why we're turning to James now. I would say this, the overall message of James is to strengthen the faith of those whom he's writing to and to guard against a comp um, compromising spirituality. He's ready to strengthen their faith and to guard against a compromising spirituality. And man, I think that is the same challenge, the same message that we need today. I might not be alone. Um, I have several pastor friends, you know, that I kind of keep up with or follow on social media. And I've seen several other churches, some of my other friends kind of starting James at the same time. I didn't know. We didn't compare notes. Now, it might be, if you were here last week, kind of a new car situation where because we're going through James, I'm kind of paying more attention to the other churches going through James. Some of you get or understand that reference. Um, but I, I do think this, I think that it's a timely message for us right now. I mean, he's gonna start right here this morning. You, um, the, the title of the sermon this morning is Trials. James begins in this place of addressing kind of the elephant in the room to the people he's writing to. He's like, hey, you are in a trial right now. I know that life is difficult. 
And so let me encourage you, let me strengthen your faith and let me help give you some guiding principles to guide against what you might be willing to do or tempted to do right now, and that is compromise in your following of Christ. So James is trying to intervene in the lives of those who are heading there. He's trying to encourage those who are living faithfully as they are in in all sorts of scattered places. James speaks into the situations that they're walking through, and I think there's some some of the very things that he's writing to address some of the things that we're wrestling through as well. So I'd encourage you, come, you know, make, it, make it consistent, make it regular, be here for this book. And I think what you're gonna find is, is that you will find teaching and reproof and correction and training, all of these things here um, in the book of James as we walk through it together. The other thing that I, I think is so helpful to kind of think about is... Um, you know, this is a book I've studied certainly many times before. I'm sure you have too. Again, if you've been with Jesus, you probably have. Maybe this is your first time through James and I'm pumped for you. Um, but if you've been through it before, I always like to say, you, you know, you've never been through it at this season of your life, right? Like you've never lived through September of 2022 and, you know, at this age and in this, with this set of responsibilities and this set of th- you know, pr- things that you're trying to steward. And, and so I think there's some, some things that God had. God's word is so good for that. It, it, it speaks into where we're at now. Like you're older today than you were last time that you looked at James, okay? So even if that was yesterday, you're still older today. And so there's new things that God has for you um, in his word as we walk through it together. Let me pray, and then we're gonna dive in um, and get after it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these pages. Thank you for the words that these pages contain. Um, God, you um, wanted to be clear. Uh, you wanted to... Um, God, direct us and, and give us with that which we need. And so, so you put a book in our hands, um, this collection of, of your words, Lord, to us. And so we, we wanna submit ourselves to it this morning. God, as we uh, do each week, we, we wanna approach it with humility and a willingness to hear and to learn. And God, um, would we be quick to apply? And so help us, God, to hear from you and to take what you're saying to us this morning and then to live in light of those truths. God, to observe all that you are commanding and telling us this morning. So help us to that end. Uh, Spirit, we ask that you would lead us. Teach us now, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. All right, well, hey, let's look at it together. James chapter one, beginning in verse one. Uh, Let's look at the first few verses together. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Now, James, again, he gets right to the point, right? Author, James, uh, audience, the 12 tribes, greetings, and then he's off to the races, okay? So here's, here's, he comes right out of the gate swinging. Here's what he says. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Here's the thing, he's writing to people, experiencing, understanding, knowing trials, and there's some things that he wants to communicate, speak into right here. And here's the first thing um, that I think he's trying to say to us, if I was to kind of synthesize it this way, um, you can write this down. It says, remember that there is more to a trial than the pain that you feel. There is more to a trial than the pain that you feel. My guess is, is that as you walk through a trial, uh, we tend to focus on the pain, Right? We, and trials do, they bring pain. Um, sometimes if it's a physical sickness, um, then, then that brings some physical pain. Like some of you might have something that's hurting this morning. All of you might be hurting this morning. 
Um, there might be exhaustion. There might be um, uh, uh, like an acute pain somewhere. And, and, and sometimes that physical pain is what, is what a trial brings. Other times, though, it, it also will include or often will include emotional pain or spiritual pain or sort of relational pain. Uh, there are things that come about from trials. So trials, what he's saying here, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He kind of is speaking yes to their dispersion, but, but just by the way that he says of various kinds, he's kind of speaking into just trials in general. And so we can define a trial as this. It's an unwelcomed and often unexpected experience. So unwelcomed, often unexpected experience. We would say it's different from temptations. We're going to get to temptations next week. But trials are all sorts of things. So it could be sickness. It could be disappointment. It could be grief. It could be loneliness. It could be a disaster. It could be loss. It could be hardship. It could be a broken relationship. I mean, there's an unwelcomed, unexpected experience. Sometimes uh, those are caused by people. Sometimes they're caused by just the result of kind of nature or just life, you know, happens. We can't always explain the trials. And sometimes trials happen personally. Sometimes they happen to large groups of people. I mean, it's, it's, it should not go without um, mentioning and saying today, September 11th. I mean, we hear the date and we know what this day represents. It's a day when we remember the tragic attack on the World Trade Center, which happened now over 20 years ago. Some of you um, aren't even old enough to remember that. Others of you remember exactly where you were. You watched on the TV as the Trade Center fell, and many, many, many people lost their lives that day. And that was what I would put as like a national tr like trial. That was, that was a hardship that, that this country faced together. I mean, we, we all grieved and we mourned like what happened and the loss of life in that place together. And so, you know, each September 11th, we, we, we remember and we kind of honor those who, who served on that day and, and remember those who, who lost their life on that day. But I mean, we experience trials in different ways and in different uh, places. And so certainly the people he's writing to, they were experiencing an acute trial in their dispersion, but certainly in a general sense, they were experiencing all sorts of other difficulties. And in the midst of that, he's trying to speak into their situation. And so can we just do this? Like, um, I think this is helpful sometimes. You know, it's helpful to kind of know in numbers uh, kind of where we're at. Um, I could say today that there's uh, something I would point to in my life that I would consider a trial. So I would say currently I'm walking through a trial. It's not the biggest I've ever faced, but it's certainly a trial. Um, is there anyone else who would just, by show of hands, are you facing a trial today? An unwelcomed, <laughs> unexpected experience, right? Not pleasant. Okay. Most of us have something that we would point to, right? And say that I'm facing a trial. Okay. So James has this to say to us today, and you're in good company. Like we're facing trials in various kinds, various ways. And here's what he says, and it's a challenging word. He says, count it all joy, my brothers. Now, hopefully, um, you, when you come across that word brothers, you understand the, it's, it was written in a familial sense, so sisters are certainly included in that. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, my family, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's the challenge that he gives. And we read that and we're like, man, that is hard, right? Because the, the reality is, is that as we walk through a trial, what we see and sense and feel is the pain. And the pain can take away uh, joy or make joy pretty hard. Part of us, we read that and we might say, well, wait a second, are we supposed to like only 
experience or kind of have joy as we walk through a trial. Um, let me just kind of clear that up and say, no, that's not what he's saying. When he says, count it all joy, he's saying that, that joy is not the only feeling, but he's encouraging them to consider or count it as joy, to, with joy predominantly, look upon the situation that you're walking through. And again, this is a challenge. And so I'll be the first to admit that I come across this, and I'm like, I do not always do that. And I'm guessing you might be the same. When you are walking through a trial, you don't always count it all joy. Well, he unfolds and kind of we get the impact of why we are to count it all joy. He gives the reason. Verse three gives the reason. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Okay, so there's more to it. He's not just saying count it all joy just because I'm saying so. He's saying count it all joy because you know that the testing of your faith is producing this steadfastness. Well, let's unpack what that means in that. Um, there's something that is being produced. That word producing is like, uh, it's, it's the same word that's kind of used when like an olive is pr- pressed and produces olive oil, right? Like we understand that, that when you, um, you know, squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice, right? When you squeeze an apple, you get... Apple juice, or today we're having apple cider stuff, okay? We've got apple cider donuts, apple cider slushies, right? And so, um, yeah, when you squeeze that, when you squeeze, when you get squeezed through a trial, what it produces, what comes out is a steadfastness. That's the product of the trial. Steadfastness can be understood as perseverance. It's this picture of remaining under, um, like carrying a heavy load for a long time, um, Man, we, I feel like our, our move like never ends. Like we're constantly like moving things. I'm constantly, hey, Bree, can you help me move something? I don't know if your marriage is stronger than ours, but um, man, whenever we move something, we like find something to kind of like fight about. And so now it's just this big joke. Like we're gonna like we're just both gonna be like frustrated with the other person as we move something. So um, I, I call my neighbors a lot and say, hey, can you help me move um, so that my wife and I can not you know, not argue today. Um, but when you're carrying something, right, you, you want to put it down sometimes. You're like, and, and if you're carrying with another guy, this is just a guy thing, you're like, well, I don't want to be the one to ask for the break, right? Some of you, you don't care. You're like, I'll ask for the break. But I'm kind of one where I'm like, well, I'm not going to ask for a break until I ask for a break, right? So you're kind of like carrying that thing and you're trying to, to, to remain under it, that, 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 that keeping on, like you're going to get it to the place that it needs to go. You're not going to stop. You're not going to let off. You're not going to let it down. That's this idea of steadfastness. It's to remain under. It's, it's perseverance all the way to the end. And so let's look again. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So this endurance, this, this perseverance is the product of the trial. Well, what's that testing all about? That word testing, we might be, um, we would be misinformed or, or kind of misapply it if we understand or think that that is kind of what reveals our faith. Like that this test is to show, do we have the faith? And that's not what that means. We we know we're gonna see later. Again, we're gonna get to temptations. God doesn't tempt us. This isn't something to show our faith. Rather, that word there, that testing, actually is probably better understood as purifying or, or, or refining our faith. And so you could read it this way. For you know that the refining of your faith produces steadfastness. How do we get that? Well, that word that's used for testing is actually a pretty rare word. It's used only one other time in the New Testament, but it is used twice in the Old Testament. 
And when it's used in the Old Testament, both times it is referring to the process of refining precious metals, like a silver or gold. And so check this out. Like the way that a silversmith refines silver is he heats it up, right? And then after it gets to a certain temperature, all the impurities kind of rise to the top and then kind of scrapes off. That impurities kind of gets rid of that, and that process continues. Heating up, scraping off, heating up, scraping off. Well, here's this. Get ch- check this out. When I was looking at this and, and kind of doing some research for this, um, one account that I said said, you know, what, you know how you know when the silversmith is done, when it's like reached the place it's supposed to? The silversmith knows that that silver has been refined when he can see his reflection in it. How beautiful a picture is that? Yeah. Right? That, that God is, through trials that he is heating us up and he's removing some impurities and then heating us up again, removing more impurities, heating us up again, removing more impurities to the place when he can see the reflection of himself in us. It's producing Christ-like characters, Christ-like qualities in us, the foremost being steadfastness. Perseverance is a quality that we as Christ followers are to seek after and to grow, and to foster, and to build into. And what a beautiful picture of what God is doing in your life through the trial that you are facing right now. So let me be super clear. I in no way would ever want to, and nor is the book of James, trying to minimize the trial that you are walking through. Not ignoring or discounting the pain that you feel. So to be very clear here, what we're saying is is that your trial, there's more to the trial that you're walking through than the pain that you are feeling. I want to encourage you with the word of God this morning to say that this trial is actually producing something in you which is going to make you into a more Christ-like person. If you are following Christ through this trial, he is using it to develop something in you. And it begins there with steadfastness. There's a perseverance that he is producing but it doesn't stop there. Look at where it says there's progression to it. Verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And I believe that this is um, uh, an encouragement for us to do this, to participate in God's process for growth in your life. So we recognize, we begin by remembering that the trial is not just the pain that we feel, there's more about it, but that we get to participate in what God is doing in this process that he is growing us into more and more like the reflection of his son. Notice what it says, and let steadfastness have its full effect. Full effect. So, so, so I guess what we get from that is that steadfastness in itself, this perseverance in itself is not the end game. There's something greater that it's leading to. And that greater thing that it's leading to is a perfection or sort of a, a, a refining of our faith and of our Christ likeness. And this is something that, that needs to be cultivated and grown. And so what we understand and we see is that from God's word that trials produce this steadfastness. There's a plan to it. God is working something out in your life. It's like, um, think of steadfastness as a muscle that strengthens after resistance, right? So if you wanted to get, you know, stronger, uh, you wanted to, um, uh, you know, kind of bulk up or, or just be able a little more like function, functional, what you would do is you would go to the gym and you'd put some heavy things and you'd, you'd like be lifting it. And that strain, that resistance actually breaks down the muscle and it builds back stronger than it was. 
This is the idea that's happening is that as we go through a trial, the steadfastness is breaking us or this um, trial is breaking us down so that there is being built back up into something. And there's a plan to it. There's a, an outworking of it. Let me kind of illustrate it this way. Um, some of you experienced some um, odd traffic patterns this morning on your way here. I'm guessing um, the Iron Man is, is happening. It always sneaks up on us around Madison you know, every year. Um, that's that triathlon. Some of you had no idea. Um, you're like, why would somebody ever want to do something like that? Um, man, we need to pray for them. That's a rough day to do that out there in the rain and um, terrible. Um, but here's something I know about all those that are out there. Uh, they're literally probably racing right now, is that nobody decided, nobody woke up this morning and decided to do the Ironman, right? Like no one got out of bed and like, ah, I think I'm gonna do that. They have been working toward that and working at that for months. And this thing today is the outworking of all of that which has been building, right? So they've been training, all the training has prepared them for this day. The smart ones, they've sought out a coach and that coach has laid out a plan and they're on track and they're doing it. What, but why, why are they doing it? So that they can accomplish this feat. For many of them, it's not even about the time. It's about just finishing it. And so there's this whole process and this whole plan that they're enduring this for the purpose of being able to complete the task that they've set to do. I mean, I have mad respect for any uh, triathlete, any uh, Ironman athlete, I mean, that is like insane stuff. I thought back in the day, maybe someday I would try and do that. I just, I don't think I could do it. I don't have the time. I don't have the, the, uh, the commitment to, to doing that. And, and so I, I just, I don't get that. But here's the thing. It's a call. What he's saying is this call is let this training, this, this building up have its full effect. The end game is that you would be perfect and complete, lacking and nothing. There's a perfection to your faith that God is trying to produce in you, and that is a lifelong process. And so we don't just wake up one day and just have it. It's not like you just got out of bed and you're like, okay, that relationship is fixed now, or that, that, that sin issue is just done now. It's like there is time to it. There's those impurities which are being removed, and the way that God is doing it is he's using trials to do it. See, James wasn't the only one that addressed this. Uh, Paul addressed this to the church in Rome uh, when he wrote in Romans 5, 3 through 5. I don't have a slide, but you can um, jot that reference down if you want. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Notice the same language, rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because it's ultimately gonna to lead to hope that God's love has been poured into our hearts and the Holy Spirit has been given. There's something that is leading to, it's working out, God is at work. Peter wrote the same thing to the church as well in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. He says, in this you rejoice, though not for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is, what is God seeking to refine in the trial that you're walking through? Have you asked him that question? Have you asked, hey God, what are you teaching me right now? What are you trying to weed out? What are you trying to help me walk away from 
God, what are you removing from my life through this trial? Is there something that I need to grow in? And then if you can see that or, or ask that question, then I think the, the, the response then is to participate in that. Notice the word, the second word in verse four, so important. It says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's where I think we get that picture of that participation. We participate with what God is doing. We know what it's like not to participate, right? When we're in that trial, we're in that place and we're like, I just want this to be over. I'm done with this. God, what are you doing? There's no way you could use this God, there's no way this is from you. There's no way this situation can redeem. There's no way that life could come from this. There's no way that I'm gonna grow as a result of this. But the opposite is true. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, because you know that this trial is producing said fastness, and that said fastness, when it has its full effect, you're gonna be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing because God is doing that. So let that steadfastness have its full effect. Participate in what God is doing. So what does it look like to participate? I think it begins with our attitude. You know, trials are not optional. Our participation with the Lord in them is. We will walk through trials, right? The question is, how are we going to walk through them? Does your parents ever say something that like, you know, is like a mom thing or a dad thing that they said and it still kind of rings, rings true in your life? My mom had this mantra, I think I've shared this before, but she used to say all the time. Now she called me David, so David, uh, you can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose your attitude. I hated when my mom said that. Like, that was like the worst. I'm like, <sighs> you know, like, I, like, because I, here's the thing. I want to choose my circumstances, right? I don't want to walk through that. I don't want that to happen. I wish she hadn't said that. I wish that wouldn't, you know, didn't happen that way. But what she was saying was so true. It's like, I can't change the circumstances going, like, I'm walking through this thing. But there is one thing I can choose, and it's my attitude, and what James is saying is, hey, count it joy. Let the steadfastness have its full effect. Let the work of God play out in your life. Participate in what God is doing. Your attitude is a big, big part of that. Well, here's the encouragement for you. At this point, you might be, well, I, I wanna do that, but I don't know how. That seems extremely overwhelming. If you knew what I was facing, then it wouldn't be so easy to say. And that is where... This amazing invitation comes in verse five. Look at this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. See, here's the, uh, the, the invitation is this, is that we would seek help from the Lord. Some of us, if we're honest, we look at this and we're like, I can't do that. And that's actually a fine place to be. Because what the Lord of the heavens, the God of the universe, our Redeemer God is inviting us to say, okay, I get that. So then ask me. So he's like, if you even have, like if you don't have the wisdom to know how to navigate the trial you're walking through, then come to me and ask that I would give you the wisdom to walk through it. I mean, what a great invitation. I mean, understandably, like if, if some of the trials that we face or that you have faced you are not meant to do it on your own. We were never meant to face some of those on our own. And so this is what, this is such a beautiful invitation. And I think this is the message that we just studied for six weeks in, in Psalm 23, right? The, to invite the Lord Jesus as um, in the leadership of, of his, 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 him in our life and to follow him and to walk with him through the valley 
and allow his rod and his staff to comfort us. And he's inviting us. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Well, notice a couple things about the giving. He gives it. Uh, first off, notice he gives it generously, generously to all. So God's not stingy in the wisdom he's handing out. He's like, I've got what you need. You're looking for it, I've got it. You need it, it is found in me. Come to me and I will give it to you generously. The second thing, it says to all without reproach. Man, and I think sometimes um, we kind of like read like angry boss or disgruntled, you know, coach or, um, you know, harsh dad into the God of the universe. And that's just not what he is saying here. All right, some of you in your workplace, it's not the healthiest of workplaces because if you don't know what to do and you were to go knock on your boss's door and say, hey, I need some help here. I don't know how to navigate this. Um, that would be seen as a fail. It's like, well, we want people who know how to do that. So just by nature of you asking me, and so you know that, and so you go figure it out on your own, and you never let the boss know that you didn't know. You kind of like fake it till you make it kind of thing, you know, and, and you're just gonna kind of grin and, and smile until you can, um, you know, get through it, right? That's kind of the idea. See, it would be so wrong of us to think that this is the expectation that God has sent out, that he wants you to just sort of weather the trial, walk through it the best you can on your own, kind of figure it out as you go kind of thing. He's like, no, no, my door is open. I'm waiting, I'm inviting you, come. If you lack wisdom, great, come. Because I'm gonna give it to you generously, what? Without reproach. He's not wagging his finger. He's not some stern, you know, figure trying to put us down or shame us for asking. He generously wants to help you with what you are. If you're seeking true wisdom from him, he wants to give it to you. It says, ask and it will be given to him. And man, church, I, I can't say how encouraged I was just the way that we've done this corporately together this week. Um, I think this will be a regular thing for us. We, we, we've done it now um, before, but um, this past week, we had a week of prayer and we sought out. We had kind of 80 slots, 80 hour slots throughout the week. So every waking hour of the week was, was you know, we, we called the church to pray and many of you signed up. Many of you prayed even though you didn't sign up. It was just, the, the signing up was a way to just kind of like, are we praying every single hour? And encourage you to take an entire hour, pray for the church, pray for our community, pray for the needs that are on your heart. Seek after the heart of the Lord. And every slot was filled this week. There was one, one slot I was like really worried about. I was kind of watching the list and I was like, oh man, nobody signed up for this slot. I was in like the meeting, so I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't fill in. And, and then like two minutes before I got this little notification, like Whoop. somebody signed up for this. I was like, oh, awesome, yeah. So we had like every slot was filled. And then on top of that, Saturday mo or Wednesday morning rather, um, at seven here and then again at seven at night, we had kind of in-person gatherings. And many of you came to that and prayed in person. And, and here's the reality is this, is that we're acknowledging corporately that we're setting out a lot of our ministries are ramping up. We've got new ministries starting. There's some new endeavors that we're gonna try and do this year. We're seeking the Lord on. Listen, we could lay the best plans. We could have just an awesome kind of system or processes and things in place. But at the end of the day, if the Lord's not working, if he's not in it, then everything that we put our hands to is going to fall short. It's, it's gonna be of little to no value at all. And so together as a church, that's what we've just said this past week. And thank you to many of you who prayed. We need those prayers and man, I can tell you story after story, when we've had times, nights of prayer, weeks of prayer, like it wasn't long after that God did some incredible things. I was actually thinking about this. This is bonus content. I didn't share this in the first service, but I was thinking a little bit about this is that, um, you know, when we had our, one of our very first ever corporate nights of prayer, the next week we got a call about this building. 
and, and, and God like opened up this opportunity for us to have this building. Um, it was in the middle of kind of COVID. Things were still sort of shut down, and we were like, what do we do? And so we had this night of prayer. Well, the next week, I got a phone call um, that... Um, uh, that there was going to be these food box giveaways that we, could, we like we were being invited to par- participate in. So we gave away like 200,000 pounds of food over several months. I mean, some of you remember some of that. It was like such an answer to prayer because we're sitting here, we're like, we feel so uh, strapped, like so <laughs> locked down, restricted. Like how are we supposed to be the church? And God's like, here, how about this? How about a bunch of free food from the government? Can you give this away? And we're like, cool, yes, we will definitely do that. But I'm telling you, we prayed the week before that opportunity happened. There's more stories like that. So we just prayed this week. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I'm here for it, right? Like, I am ready. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what God does. And maybe it's not next week. Maybe it's next month. But I know that God is going to give his wisdom, and he's going to work in that. What an incredible, incredible invitation. Here's the deal. Sometimes I think we walk in and we think that we need to walk out with, with, with things to do. What he's inviting us here is you walk in with your confusion, your questions, and you're walking out with a trust and a confidence that God of the universe has it. And he's gonna give you the wisdom that you need to navigate this trial that you are in. What an invitation. Seek help from the Lord. Don't try and do it on your own. And so if you're here this morning, you feel like you're the only one that's bearing this thing. I would encourage you with a couple things. One, go to the Lord, seek the Lord. Lay it before him, ask for wisdom and he will generously give it to you without reproach. That's a promise right there in scripture. And then ask others to do the same. Like that is what the body of Christ can do is we can support each other in these things. Seek help from the Lord. And then he kind of wraps all of this up. I think with this, uh, uh, let me give you kind of the point and then I'll show it to you in scripture. But I think, I think it kind of gets back to, and he really encourages toward a trust, a trusting attitude. I said it this way, trust in God's good plans for your life. In the midst of trials, trust in God's good plans for your life. As I said, James kind of wisdom literature, he bounces a little bit. And so sometimes the thread is a little bit tricky to see, but I think the thread that kind of ties these next several verses together is this attitude of trust. Let me read it to us. Uh, Verse six, it says, but let him ask with faith, in faith, with no doubting. That's trust, right? For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, but he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers in the grass. Its flower falls, but its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Here's where we see, um, here's where we see this trust. We see first trust with, with faith and not doubt, right? So that's kind of the call here as he says, He says, ask in faith. So as you come before the Lord, ask him to give you what you need, but ask it in faith. So you're not kind of coming before the Lord and like, yeah, God, I I really don't think you have what I need, but but I'm kind of coming here in this place. And you know, if I'm I'm honest, I I think I'm just gonna be let down again. He says that that there's no benefit in that. The one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, driven, tossed around by the wind. It's double-minded, man, unstable. He's, he's encouraging us to come, come in faith, not doubt, trusting. See, we have an anchor that God is 
who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And so you have promises in scripture that you can claim and that you can hold on to. And so ask in faith, knowing that God will be faithful to do that which he does, or that's what he said he would do. So we trust with faith, not doubt. We trust acknowledging the good, acknowledging the, 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 the good that is at work. You see, we don't often think about trials as good, but I think that's what he's getting at when he kind of talks about the rich man. See that whole little bit about you know, the rich man passing away like the flower um, and it's how fleeting the beauty is? He says, so will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. I think the point and why it's kind of linked in with this is that the rich man supposedly has no trials, right? There's no need, no, nothing that's, that, that, that he doesn't have. And so in his pursuit and in his comfort, what he's actually missing out on is the very thing that's gonna produce what he needs to grow in Christ-likeness. And so it's not saying that the rich can't inherit the kingdom of God. It's not that the rich can't grow in their Christ life. It's just saying it's a little more difficult. In some ways, actually, as we walk through trials, that is where God does the things that he is trying to do. And so that's what drives us back to, you can trust that God is actually doing something that you need done in your life through the trial that you're walking, trusting God's good plans for your life. And then, looking forward to the end. There's a promise for eternity, and that comes in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Why? Why is he blessed? Why is there blessing given to him? For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Listen, the God of the universe is holding out to all who would call on him, all who would look to his name to be saved. He says, for you I have this, I have a crown of life, life eternal. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and have it abundantly, right? And so God is holding out for all those. So in this trial, he's saying, listen, listen, I know you're enduring this trial, but that is not the end. Look to the end with faith. Count on what God is, what I am doing in this. There is a promise of a crown of life. And so we look forward, we long for that day. There's a promise of blessing which is yet to come. And ultimately, we know this. It's not some external blessing, but ultimately the blessing is found in the presence, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so everything you're looking for, right? The fulfillment, the peace, the comfort, the explanation, the understanding, the restored relationship, the, 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 the fixed situation, broken situation, all of that, all of that ultimately will not fulfill like Christ will fulfill. Our life, our longing, our, uh, everything we need is met in God himself. And so he holds out to those who stand under this test a crown of life which God has promised. And that's the promise for us today, church. Is as we're enduring, that trial is not going unseen. God is watching, he is working. And so I would just say this, if you find, as we, many of us said, and maybe I'm guessing some of you didn't raise your hand and are in that place, you're in a trial this morning, I would say this, is that God is using it. He's using it. He's doing something with it. Like the silversmith refining the silver, God is getting those impurities off and out of your life, bringing you to that place. He's using the trial to do it. So because of that, church, we can look at the trial and even in the pain, we can count it as joy because God is at work. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder that we had this morning, God, that you are not wasting the pain and the difficulty in our life. 
God, you are not wasting the trial. And I know that sometimes this is a difficult subject to talk about because there are many who have experienced severe pain, God, severe trauma, severe difficulty. And at times it is hard to see how, how God, you could use even that. But God, that is where we respond in faith, trusting the God of the universe is able to do that, which we could never do. God, to work in ways that we could never orchestrate our own. And we can see that even in the trial, God, that you are using even that to produce that steadfastness. God, would you have your full effect? Would you have your full work in our life? We wanna grow in this. We wanna learn from you. We wanna follow more closely. So help us to this end. God, we ask that you would give us the perseverance that we are seeking after. God, grow this muscle, grow this, develop this in in us. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.